You're listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or game design. Each week, Roger is joined by Joe, Vince, and Marty. Like the streets aren't plowed right now, but on the south side, they're never plowed. Like it, it was ridiculous. You know why that is, though. Say what? I said he knows why that is, though. I know why that is. Why the south side's never plowed, or why the west side's never plowed? Because it's the baddest part of town. Yes. And if you go down there. <laughs> You fucking sons of bitches. <laughs> Y'all gonna do the song now. Because it's stuck in my head. God damn it. I knew it. Uh, yeah, there's just whatever. The west side of Chicago is the barren's part of town. But if you go down there and you got the yens, you can hire Bab and Limbs. Now Babs is the muscle, you she stands about eight foot four. And her chummer limbs calls down the spirits, Mr. Johnson just pays their price. And it's Babs, Babs, Babs and Limbs, baddest slots in the whole damn town. Better than a pissed off Winsworth. Meaner than a razor girl. Da, 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 Everybody, you know, this was for like 50 karma. I feel like I got the short end of the stick here. I've gotten more for less. Damn it! The west side of Chicago is the barren's part of town. But if you go down there and you got the yens, you can hire Bab and Limbs. Now Babs is the muscle. You she stands about eight foot four. I mean, it's and just her her limbs calls down the spear, which Mr. Johnson just pays their price. And it's Babs, Babs, Babs and Limbs. Baddest slots in the whole damn town. Better than a pissed off whiz world. Meaner than a razor girl. Da, 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 da. You got something to say, Marty? Good boy. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Damn. All right. Well, we, we we actually do have a show. Oh, what the fuck was that? Oh, that was another file. Okay. <laughs> we actually have a show to talk about, some some stuff. And we brought in uh, someone to help us out, Amir, again. Because hey. we, only two of us tried out the Anthem VIP. <laughs> I'm air quoting like you motherfuckers have never seen. Hey, you VIP tried, demo. <laughs> and um, and Amir played it, and Vince did, and so did I. So the other two are going to obviously only be asking questions or putting in their two cents when needed. 
Now, we have differing opinions just based on our conversations on Twitter and and in Discord. And and it's going to be interesting because when I listened, when I edited last week's episode, and, and you're right, Vince, it would have been fun to, to be there to, to shoot the breeze about it because my excitement level had, had, that, that tense is important, <laughs> uh, really been spiking. Like I, I was getting hyped for it and, and it's not that I was getting hyped for something that now I'm seeing is not going to be delivered on so much as what I've seen. And yes, I understand it's, it's older cold that they use for the demo, but still, um, was not nearly enough for me to look at it and even extrapolating best circumstances based on the last six weeks of development, I'm I'm actually at a point where I'm like fuck that I am not buying that it's definitely not on release obviously not pre-ordering and I don't know how long after release I'll wait before pulling the trigger and and if I ever do actually so let's just check now Vince where are you at I am exactly where I was before the VIP demo because unlike you my experience was pretty positive where I'm very interested but I'm also not going to give them my money until it's out and there's actual reviews and firsthand experiences of the finished product. Amir? Uh, I am willing to give them my $15 for a month to test the game out on Origin Access. I I had a fairly positive experience. I definitely got some of the bugs, but overall it felt okay. Like I could spend a month on this game. Okay, I well, let's jump into the the obvious problems right now. We're network, and while the PC side seemed to get hit the hardest, they all did. The consoles did as well, and I know that I had a significant amount of problems. And I know that there were issues where they were saying, "Well, just exit out, go back in," and sometimes you'll be able to get back in, but it's not all the time and I, I also had it crashing to desktop on me so by and large Amir what was your your experience like in regards to those technical issues uh so I was at home on the, the like when it came out at noon so I was ready to play uh but I did not get into the game probably until maybe like 3 p.m uh eastern time uh it was definitely having like hangups and disconnects and I got to a loading screen and I couldn't get it to load all the way, uh, which to be honest with you, I'm mostly expected. So none of that came as a significant surprise to me, but it was a pretty rough the first day. Uh, come day two playing it, I had no problems pretty much. Um, on the, I played it both on PS4 and PC just to try to compare and contrast. Uh, PS4, I had a lot less issues, uh, than I had on PC, but it was, it was a little rocky that first day for sure. Well, it definitely feels, at least at this point, with this version of the code from December, I think they said this, that was when this code was rolled out. It was, uh, the PC version definitely felt very unpolished. Like the, the, the controls weren't super great. The UI was pretty much a mess 
and we you know we don't know how it's going to be in the final product i would hope and assume better but it definitely seems like at the at that point in development the console versions had gotten a little more love than the pc version see when you're saying amir you you were not expecting that much because this was a, a demo a vip demo meant to in entice people over to buy this product i i was expecting and that's that's not making me naive once again i think it's more important for studios to hear people say no we expected better of you and you fucked up instead of oh it's just it's pre-release you got to expect that and so no this was not an, a beta this wasn't an alpha so i should expect fucking better of them oh, yeah. and I, it, it literally did the opposite for me at least and i know i've read others as well the exact opposite of what they hoped it would do because i was a not just a sure purchase but a purchase of the not the bare bones one but the next step up not the like crazy such one a but friggin the, mark <laughs> i said the middle one there's because there's an it's ultimate still... one anyways and don't hate on me because I have a little bit of extra money. I've got a few, right, listen, some years I get on it. you. You do what makes you happy. And uh, and I was going to buy one for my son, too, so so that we could this could be our destiny, too, and play it together kind of thing. So they lost out on both of those sales because I spoke to my son as well. Like, he played it as well, and, and he was saying the same thing. Like, he's got zero interest in this right now. I think they fucked up by not calling it a beta. Like, I really think that was it. It would have been more fucked up if they called it a beta and still charged you money for it. That was, like, the whole crux of the problem for most people. Yeah, so, like, I, but, I mean, that's, at this point, become a normal yeah. sort yeah, of they're, they're hardly the first charging studio. Yeah. to get to a beta is, is, sure. is not new at this point. And I don't think it's a good practice, but... But when, think, they, when those companies suck up, though, they get dragged for it, and as they should. Oh, yeah, I agree. I just think that this would have been, because it, to me, it felt, like what they put out there was not a good idea of what a complete game should feel like, which is what a beta should feel like. A beta should feel like, not a beta, but a demo should feel like this is a preview of a completed game. And it didn't you know, feel like that. No, you know what it felt like for me? It felt like a stress test. Yeah. That's Just so like. we're going to, we're going to stress out our servers. As, and basically they were begging people to break their servers. And it's not like, Either Bioware or EA has no experience with online games. There's just no reason. And again, the excuse given of they weren't expecting as much and all this bullshit. It's like, no, I hold their feet to the fucking fire. They screwed up. They have the experience. There was no reason for this. So getting past all of that now, though, in terms of content, when you were able to get in, uh, there were still a lot of issues, technical issues as well. Uh, a lot of people didn't even get to see the entirety of the last trailer, which was not trailer, but cinematic that wrapped up the story that they allowed you to play through kind of thing, which the little bit that I saw the story, while cliched in some regards, was kind of cool at points. I was going, oh, I'd like to see what happens here. And I'm sure you all know what I'm talking about. But I couldn't even finish that because every time I was trying towards the end, the, the client was crashing to desktop or I'd be stuck at 95%. So there was literally no way for me to do it. So there were those technical 
in-game issues as well, not related to network, that it was having. Not even getting into the issues of if you get out and if you try to get back in by restarting the client, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And, and so, like, and that's not even talking about, like, what I believe to be horrible design mechanics in terms of experience and loot and stuff and how it comes about with mission at the only once you get out of a mission. We'll get into that later. But just in terms of technical fuckery going on, there was enough of that as well on top of the network issues that was really putting me off. And I don't know if you felt the same. Vince, what about you? Uh, I can't speak to any of the technical side of things because... I only played for a little bit Friday night, like a few hours. I did the first three story missions, uh, got to level 12, unlocked my new javelin, which uh, that even that was an issue for some players. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm just going to stop here. I got work in the morning. I'll play again Sunday. And then I ended up being out all day Sunday. But in the course of those three-ish hours I was playing, it was flawless for me. So I, unfortunately, I cannot speak to anybody else's experiences, but I had no problems loading, no problems matchmaking, no weird bugs, no weird glitches. There were definitely things that bothered me, namely the walking speed in town. Oh, fucking uh, hell. Which they have said is not going to be present in the final, but uh, with the code they were working with from December, they had to disable the sprint because the graphic engine just wasn't optimized enough at that point to display it properly, which is a whole other discussion. So hopefully in the final release it'll be better, but... I have to say I enjoyed the town. Like I liked the the visuals of it. I liked the experience of it. I liked that it felt alive. And then actually out in the game, I had a blast. Like the the whole XP and loot thing didn't bother me that much because I'm looking at Anthem less from a Destiny Diablo perspective than from a Monster Hunter perspective, which I said since almost the beginning, the structure of this game is very Monster Hunter, and that's how Monster Hunter handles their experience and loot. So it had it was no problem whatsoever for me there. And like I even have to say, like, I was actually impressed with even the animations for when loot drops. There was a point I ran because I thought I had a grenade thrown at me. No, it was just a really cool fanfare because a rare piece of loot dropped. I can't say I was as lucky as you on not running into issues. I, yeah, I, I'm, I, I was blessed, apparently. <laughs> I uh, uh, so I was able to to have like get my second javelin and the ps4 version no problems got through did to the last mission and no cinematic it just froze there and then it went to the little error screen and after that i couldn't do it again but i did enjoy playing the different javelin once i got that the colossus unlocked uh and then on pc i just it just didn't unlock my javelin i did get to see the cutscene though at the end Uh, but overall, I, as far as like uh, uh, a non-buggy experience, I, I was not one of those to experience it. My wife was actually sitting next to me while I was playing on the PS4, and she was watching the rubber banding happen. And it was so bad, it became almost comical, because I would be in one place flying around like I'm Iron Man, and then I'm back on the ground getting blown up. And it was happening like every couple of seconds. Uh, well, there were issues with that too for the um, the the enemy being able to shoot through terrain, and part of that was network. But I actually 
did some experimenting as well. And it was a bug. Like I would stand in the same spot and just wait a long time. And there's no fucking way in hell that could still be rubber banding. And wouldn't you know it, I'd be getting sniped through fucking boulders and shit like that, that I can't shoot through. But apparently the enemy has much better weapons. Yeah, I didn't run into that part. It was just the rubber banding. But otherwise, it was it was good. I mean, nothing special. See, I was I was getting Mass Effect a bit. I I think that part of the reason also why um why I'm feeling a lot less enthusiastic about it is because of all the issues because that really taints your fucking experience. There is one part of the the mission where I had to restart it no less than a half dozen times. And during each of those times we'd get close to the end and something invariably would happen. Either the, the, the network connection craps out, you can't get back in crashes to desktop, any number of things. And then you got to go back in and started from scratch again. The the fucking walk of shame with your going through town to get to your your fucking mech, your javelin, and it takes for fucking ever. And uh, and then you you try to start it, hang at ninety five, have to restart the client, get back in, only to get booted out towards the end. So it was it was incredibly frustrating. And not the least bit fun because of that. And and what happens is that when you are doing it in quick succession like that as well, you really pick up on a lot of things there. Like the 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 first time you're kind of going out, especially the first time you fly, you think, oh, this looks really cool. You know what? fourth fifth time you're looking around and you go man this is really not even close to destiny 2 level as as i see it in terms of just looking better there's like a lot of textures missing a lot of shit it just looks like a matte painting at the back kind of thing i was not impressed with the graphics that much the 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 people look good but i found the animation for their speech was still a little off nowhere near Andromeda level, but still enough that it's noticeable kind of thing. <laughs> so it wasn't that bad. And I did actually like the look, though, of the the, the NPCs. They, I liked it. It was, for the most part, well done. Yeah, I was thinking, uh, or was talking about sprinting through the city, about how overdone the motion blur and bloom was in the city. That was probably the thing I liked the least out of what I played in the game is moving around through the city. Overall, I, I like I had a mostly positive experience. I liked how the the classes felt different than each other. Like everything felt different than the next thing, which I thought was cool. But I I didn't draw as many Destiny comparisons, I guess, as, than a lot of other people did. Well, I mean, Destiny's kind of the the obvious game to compare yeah. it against, just because of the market. Yeah. Whereas realistically, the two games could almost not be more different. Right. That's that's what it felt like to me. I was like, I see why they're making the comparison, but like this has a lot more in common with something like Warframe. Yeah. I, yeah, but, but like, it it does. But again, I'm I'll be the one to disagree with you because I do feel the comparison to Destiny Two is valid, and it 
it does still have a lot in in comparison with it. It's a sci-fi shooter where you're mecked up and shooting aliens or whatever the fuck you can. And yeah, you're using some special abilities, but Destiny 2 does the same thing. Different weapons that you can use, different things you can equip. It has more in certain regards, but then a lot less in other ways. And then, of course, the obvious flying. But I feel that the comparison to D2 is very, very valid. Again, for me, and clearly for a lot of other people as well. I think I, both the, I was going to say, I think both are apt. And this is from somebody who didn't play the game, but from a lot of people I know got, like, we're all about this, have been waiting for this, got in and started trying to play it. And they all had the same thing that you guys are saying both comparisons are apt because it's a genre now it's not just you know yeah. one type of game it's a it is literally a looter shooter that's it like it, it doesn't have grand overarching rpg elements at least not yet that i've seen and i don't think anybody has seen but that's that's what it is and that's why it feels like warframe that's why it feels like destiny 2 because those are those are pieces in that same spectrum of yeah. genre I mean, you can you can find uh, definitely comparable points in this to all of the ones in this genre. You could make probably find a comparison to Borderlands even. Uh, but I felt like the overall gameplay felt pretty a lot different than Destiny to me. Like I felt more in comparison to Warframe and how you moved to uh, the division and how spongy some of the enemies were all enemies (laughs) yeah i felt the the monster hunter comparison on like how you get loot i felt the warframe also and like locked loadouts destiny and this really the comparisons to me were more like we have similar body types in the game and we're in sci-fi space land but you're also again it's a shooter too that's the thing. Well, yeah, that's, see, that's a, the problem too. That that I and perhaps a lot of people who are making that comparison is because we're out in this this mech of the javelin, but we've got guns. We assume that should be your primary way of of killing enemies, but it's not. They they pale in comparison to the abilities that you have with your your javelin. And right. That's what you spend most of the time doing, especially on the storm javelin. So it's a way different game in that regard. And that that's where like a lot of it came together for me. Because like, yeah, Destiny, especially Destiny 2, is a gun-focused gameplay. Your guns are very important. Your skills are great, but they're secondary because of the cooldown mechanics. Whereas in Anthem, the guns are there, and I'm sure you can find some really cool guns and really useful guns, but it is a more skill-focused game, and especially with it being the multiplayer-focused, the, the combos between the skills. And it was around the second story mission when I was out there playing, because they, they do the matchmaking, and I was grouped up with randoms for the those quest, the story quests. And it, that's where it clicked, where it was like, I was going in with the Destiny mindset of guns first, skills when you need them, and it was not very engaging. Yep. And, but then when I when I realized, like, man, my, my grenade is already off cooldown, and I started using my skills primarily, and then the gunplay in between, I found that the the huge enemy health pools were not an issue anymore. Uh, the that 
the game flowed a lot better. It was a lot more fun. It was a lot more interactive with the other members of my party instead of us just standing there shooting the same thing. It was me shooting acid darts at it while somebody else threw a grenade and causing an explosion of acid on everything. Like, it... Yes, I, I again, I totally get it. But of all the games that it can be compared to, Monster Hunter Diablo, Warframe, The Division, it is least like Destiny. And it, it, I think a lot of that comes down to just the core fundamentals of gameplay, that Destiny is a shooter-first, space magic RPG second, whereas Anthem feels more to me like it's a space robotics RPG first than a shooter second, much like Warframe. That pretty much hit the nail on the head for me. That was that was it. <laughs> so how much time did you guys spend flying into shit all the fucking time? Oh God. <laughs> I, I, I shared a great anecdote on Twitter of in the the second mission where I was me and three randoms grouped up and like we had just finished a battle and like our waypoint had you know, it was like, Okay, go over here and we all ran, jumped off a cliff and flew into four different walls. <laughs> My wife oh, was like watching me, making fun of me the entire fucking time. <laughs> she was like, I'm interested in, in what this game is like, but I want to watch you play it. So every time I ran into a wall, she was like, you're a really bad Iron Man. <laughs> but with time, I got better. And yeah. like I was learning the ins and outs of like, okay, flying better, learning to navigate the environment. So I, I think it's something that's just going to come with practice and with, you know, customizing your controls better. The mouse was not great for me at first i did some tweaks and it got a little better so i it, gave up on mouse and keyboard I yeah it was my xbox one controller oh no i it, it, it's definitely the better way to go at this point i i started with mouse and keyboard and i was trying to like figure out a good way to make it work and then i picked up the controller and just started playing with that and i was like i will i won't go back <laughs> oh, yeah I, it, the, go back. I didn't have the controller handy so i was like i'm just gonna stick with mouse and keyboard for tonight but uh, it was a it was some interesting stuff that I saw in there. Like some of the little side conversations you had with some of the NPCs have potential. I, I really wonder what the storytelling is going to be like in the game. Like that, that part really intrigues me still. I'm again, we didn't see enough of the, the, the story to, to make an informed decision or, opinion yeah, but it's not taking it across on it i yeah i really don't think there's going to be all that much i i find it hard to believe based on this that there's going to be that much story i again it has to be hopeful it's still a bioware game it doesn't always mean something anymore yeah i know i'm i'm saying hopeful for a reason <laughs> <laughs> all right so then parting thoughts on this amir uh i will I know that I can spend a solid month in this game and get my money's worth based on the demo, but I share uh, a lot of people's concerns that the net code in this game is bad and it's going to be a rough first few weeks of it. Yeah. Vince? I'm still largely optimistic for the, the game as a whole, but yeah, the, the technical side of things is still putting me on like the wait and see approach. Like I, I had an absolute blast playing the game. And if it can always be as good for everyone as it was for me Friday night, I think this could be a great game that a lot of people will enjoy. It's a matter of whose experiences were more true to what the final game will be. And if if, if, if it was Roger crashing constantly or uh, Amir with uh, like just straight up 
things not working right, all right, yeah, we're, we're going to have a problem. But if the next time we play the game and the two of you have experiences like I did, I, I think we'll have a very different conversation. We'll see. We will see. Because, again, <laughs> I'm, I'm extrapolating based on what we saw and also some videos like the one that you posted that showed more uh, uh, accurate footage of what it's like now. And even yeah. looking at that, and I'm going, you know what? I still... See, the thing with me is, and again, I, I really want to love this, and it, it it's not that it has to be a straight-up shooter, but I did not find the elements of the javelin play where you are only using flight and abilities as much fun as bouncing into Destiny 2 and just doing shooting. And and I wanted to test that to see because it's been a while now since I played Destiny 2. And I bounced back in and bounced on planet side and was immediately shooting shit and going, yep, this is it. Like, say what you will about fucking Bungie and everything they've done wrong with D2 and with Destiny. Fuck, can they play, make a good shooter, though, that what they are doing, what they're focusing on, is very well done. And unfortunately for me and like I said, my son, what Bioware is focusing on with Anthem, I don't think is nearly as much fun for us. So we'll see you next weekend for the uh, the next demo, and hopefully it's fucking better than this anyway. But you know what? My Even given all that, I would be perfectly happy if, you know, again, we talk about this at a later point, and you're like, you know what? The game is solid. It does what it wants to do. I just prefer Destiny because that's that's a personal opinion. Yeah. It's, I, not that, it's not that Anthem is bad. It's just that for what you are looking for in a game, it's not what you're looking for. And that is a perfectly valid argument. As long as everything works fine and you can make that decision based purely on the game itself and not the shenanigans around it. Again, I'm hoping it will be better. I really am because I would like to play it. So... (laughs) All right, let's move on from there. We've got a crapload of Nintendo news. So, Joe, go ahead. So, Nintendo just did a Nindies, I think is what they call them. Yep. Basically, it's the Nintendo Indie Games, uh, which was always a focus in the last, like, well, since the Switch launched. Uh, and if you've looked at the eShop, yeah, they've, they've held true to that. There's a lot of fucking independent games in there. Uh, but this was to highlight some of the uh, the new ones coming and surprising everybody by at the time of the this Nindy Direct going live, three of the games they were talking about were actually already up on the eShop. So we'll start with a couple of the, well, those three. We had When Ski Lifts Go Wrong, uh, which is a physics-based construction puzzle game where you build ski lifts and then let things go and see what happens. And it is fucking hysterical. Like, it's one of those physics-based platforming games which i think is really fun and really cool then you had goat simulator with uh, goat of the year edition basically uh, which you know it's been around for a while but it's still nice to see it on the switch it's a fun game to, to fuck around with and then there's the one that caught my attention unruly heroes it's an action platformer puzzler where you play as four heroes from the classic myth of journey to the west Hmm. and it's really really gorgeous like yeah so 
shameless self-promotion here i've been streaming this on uh started streaming this on last week friday and i'm going to be streaming this until i complete the game uh but it's the controls are great the story is is amazing there's voice acting in it which i didn't expect there to be voice acting in it uh the boss fights are so far and i've, I've had a couple of them are well constructed and balanced and multi-stage and feel almost like raid boss fights but not with that level of frustration uh, the puzzles are are not too simple, but not too hard. They they have a nice little balance to them, and the combat is just fun and rewarding. All the while, just absolutely gorgeous, absolutely great sound like work done on it. The fully work is amazing. Uh, the soundtrack is really well done, and just the stages and and the vi- the mobs, the villains, the monsters, and the characters are all really really well thought out and really well done. And it's only 20 bucks US, which is insane to me because I'm playing this game and I'm sitting here and it's it's on par with some of the some ones that I've seen like charge two to three times as much for. But yeah, it came out of nowhere. I had no idea it was ever going to come out. I had no idea it was existing. And then there it is. And it has three modes of gameplay. It has solo play where you can swap between all four characters uh, at your leisure. And then when you lose one of the characters, you can try to get their soul back. Uh, and sort of like try to recover. Uh, they have online arena play where you can play with three other friends online and sort of duke it out with you pick one of the, the four and sort of like just bash each other's head in. And then there's couch co-op where like Rayman Legends, where you can have four people kind of going through a stage and doing everything. You can have people sitting down with you and just going through and, and playing the game side by side with you. It's pretty, pretty fucking good. It looks beautiful. And we were like, oh, that's a couch co-op game for us. We should do it. (laughs) Yeah, highly recommended. Sorry, you you playing on uh, Switch or PC? Um, I did wind up picking it up on PC just for uh, ease of streaming. Yeah. But I will be picking this up again on Switch. I'll be spending the 20 bucks again to buy it on the Switch so I can take it with me. and Yeah, it's beautiful. Now... that I was looking at but there was a what a new Steam World game that was announced too yeah so Steam World uh, is another popular series that has it's weird every time they release a game they change things up so like the the first Steam World was you know its own story and it was had its own systems and its own contained thing and then they had Steam World Dig which was like a different story with a different character but still set in the same thing with different systems and now they're just completely changing everything up, which is blowing my mind. Uh, SteamWorld Quest Hand of uh, Gilgamesh. It's a card-based RPG set in that same world, which I saw the card-based, and it, I was like, oh, this might be something Roger would be into. Yeah, You know what's funny? It's, I've seen that trailer before now, and, and there's another game that's going to be coming out soon that's fairly similar. And I was thinking, even for me, I think we're reaching a point of saturation with cards being used for a lot of different things. <laughs> and that's saying a fucking lot, but it is. And it's when there's too much of one thing, you kind of lose interest in it as a whole sometimes. And I haven't even been playing the new Magic the Gathering Arena or, or Hex. I haven't been in for a little while. It's like there's just too much of it everywhere now. Yeah, and, and part of that, I think, and I was talking with somebody about this because I, I just got into Keyforge, which is uh, a tabletop. Uh, card game but not like a CCG it's 
it's weird. We'll talk about it another time because I think it's actually something you might be interested in, Roger. Uh, but with board games becoming so popular, we're starting to see uh, those sort of board game mechanics starting to be overused in games now, too. And the card deck building thing is a great example because you had what Legendary, who had all of those games that were super wildly popular for deck building. You had a you had Ascension, you had all of the Alien games, the Marvel games, the DC deck builder. Like these things were super, super popular. And now you have all these deck building games that are coming out. I, I I think there's a direct parallel there. Not that I have anything against it, but like you like you said, it's just saturated. Yeah. Well, it's not just that. It's it's that um, that using that same kind of mechanic and blending it with other game types. And I adore that. I really do. Like when our Malibu first came out, it was like, oh fucking hell, this is awesome. And other games have done the same. And I've, I I have. But now it's to the point where I when I see another game like I did with this here with cards. Uh, there's no excitement. It's like, okay, is it going to work well? Does it look like it actually fits? Or they're just trying to capitalize on that idea, which is, again, I think probably at the tail end of its popularity right now, probably. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Now, we also got some more information regarding Wargroove, which is another game that uh, people have been really foaming at the mouth for for a while because it is the spiritual successor to Advanced Wars. Uh, and we have the release date, which is February 1st, which was surprising to everybody because we're almost there. So that lots looks of- awesome, too. Yeah, I'm hyped for for Wargroove. Uh, that one was one of those ones that I was like, oh, I can't wait to see it. And then they're like February 1st. I'm like, fuck, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like when I worked at GameStop, this is what I used to play with my buddies in there. We'd sit in the, under the desk and play fucking Advance Wars. And now you're making it come out again. I'm like, yes, I need this. And then they, they announced CrossCode is coming to Switch, which they said wasn't coming to Switch on Steam, which crushed my hopes. And then they said it was happening. And I cried. Nintendo knows how to get more money. Well, I think this is interesting, too, because and I was going to bring this up like CrossCode has been out for how long now? Uh, a little over a year now, I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so, like, I, part of the reason that they said that they weren't going to bring it to the switch was because I think there was this preconceived notion with a lot of third party developers that porting a game to the switch was going to be as arduous as it was porting something over to the Wii U. And that seems to not be the case, because if you look at it we're starting to have this like deluge of games that are being like moved over, ported over. And I think a lot of that, as much as I don't like giving them credit because they fucked up a lot of shit recently too. Yeah. But Bethesda, I think cracked that door open wide when they ported doom and Wolfenstein two. Like when those hit the switch and played well. Yeah. I think that was an eye opening experience where people are like, well, wait, if that works, why the fuck can't I take, you know, cross code and like make it available to that? Like they made that shit work. That was supposed to be top end gaming work on a switch and work. Well, shit, let me give it a try. The cross code one really, really was interesting to me because it was cross code was originally made in HTML five. And I was wondering how that would port over to any console. So I never expected it to come to consoles like at all. And then when it announced on switch, I was like, now that makes me wonder what else can they bring to switch now like can we get like all of the the games that are coming out on itch.io to switch because a lot of them are made in html5 
and I think <laughs> I think there's a case to be made for that, and I and I, I think that has to do with the fact that what the architecture and how the Switch is is working and based off of. Since I mean, Nintendo is smart; they basically had Nvidia make their fucking hardware this time, mm-hmm. which means it's running like a shield does, which means it's running some like either a proprietary version of Android or something very similar, which means that it's going to run HTML5 shit just fucking fine, and. Yeah, like I think that door is going to be cracked wide the fuck open. So we'll see. Um, the last one that I mean I was very excited for was Double Kick Heroes because it's a rhythm game with a whole band in a post-apocalyptic wasteland of zombies. It is just absolutely hysterical. We talked about it before. I really want to play that game, and I think it's going to be great on the Switch. What was the name of the um, that little not creepy but the little. Um suspenseful game in blue tones you know what i'm talking about are you talking about the ps4 one no it was in the nindies fuck i don't remember which one you're talking about i will take this gap out give me a moment (laughs) (laughs) Fuck! i I should have taken notes because double kick heroes was the one with the zombies you're talking about Forager? Who's that one? Peggy 16. Yeah, Forager. I think that's the one you're talking about. I've gotten to play that because uh, Humble Bundle. It's like a weird Harvest Moon. Harvest Moon meets Legend of Zelda? Kinda. Yeah, it's kind of... No, know. that's oh, not... No, that. it's not Forager. Although that one looked kind of cool, too. That made me think of a, oh. a Behemoth game, actually. But uh, which I love those games, so it's far more. Inmost, you're talking about inmost. That's what I was just gonna say. I think it's inmost. Let me bring that up just to see. I'm queuing up the video now. Come on, hurry up. Yes, it is. That game looks amazing. Like I was really impressed, and I love the art style. I love the the look of it. I I'm curious about the story already, just from this little bit that they show. The atmosphere is just, like, incredible. I was very impressed. When you look at how simple the art style is to be able to convey that much, I I thought it was fucking cool as hell. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested in it as well, but, like, we were talking about saturation, and this is another type of game that's been super saturated lately, right? Okay, and I think that this is where... And it'll apply to the card, the games that use card mechanics as well. It's based on how much you are um, playing such games as well. You play mm-hmm. a lot more platformers than I do. So you've gone through a lot where it's like, okay, I've had enough. I need something else. Whereas I look at this and I haven't played a little platformer for a little while now. And it's not like, fuck, yeah, I would love to play this. Now, and not not to say that I'm not going to be interested in it. It's from Chucklefish, which has a good pedigree behind it. So I'm definitely interested to see how it works, but I want to know more about it before I actually like make the commitment to it. But you're absolutely right. Is is accurate though. Like I feel like that on a lot of games that have been coming out, depending on what I've been playing the most of, like the asymmetrical arena games, I play a fuckload of them. And every time I look at another one, I'm like, well, that looks interesting, but man, do I want to play another one? And that was pretty much it for the Nindies, right? Yeah, that was, that was. I think, all of them. I don't think I missed any in there. Yeah. 
We did get a little bit of bad news if you're a Metroid Prime fan and you were waiting for four. I mean, I don't know if I'd call it bad news. It's potentially good news because yeah, potentially, the but... other option would have been you're going to get a bad game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but the potential, like, we could be talking still years before this is done. Yeah, I, I believe the best uh, comment I saw was Metroid Prime, four more years in development. <laughs> Well, I mean, part of that has to depends on what they salvage and what they don't. So, like, if they use an existing game engine versus, like, you know, going the western or eastern route of building their game engine from the ground up, it might not be that long. Who knows? Yeah, so long story short, uh, Metroid Prime 4 is being completely restarted in development. We don't know what studio exactly was working on it. Uh, reports have indicated it was somewhere within Bandai Namco, but never confirmed. But yeah, the the other day, Nintendo came out and said, it's not working out. We're starting over. Now, does that mean completely from scratch? Or like Joe said, is something salvageable? We don't know. But the game is now in the hands of the very capable uh, Retro Studios, the company that was behind the first three Metroid Pride games, though the majority of those staff have moved on. But they still make a lot of Nintendo stuff, uh, including, uh, was it Mario Kart 7? And uh, God, what did they just do? The, the Donkey, Donkey Kong, Kong games. Yeah, Both which have all been pretty darn great. Yeah. So they, they have a good working relationship with Nintendo. And at least some people within the company still have experience with the Metroid franchise. So I, this is entirely positive because, honestly, everybody assumed Retro Studios was going to be working on Metroid Prime 4 in the first place. So the news that they weren't actually was kind of a negative for a lot of people. Yeah, and I, and I was going to bring that up. Like, So it's a sad but also like exciting news because this was probably the thing I saw the most when Metroid, Metroid Prime 4 was teased was everybody was wondering why Retro Studios wasn't involved. Yep. And then we found out that, like, or at least from what I found out over the, the, the last couple of days looking into this, apparently Retro Studios approached Nintendo multiple times about taking, like, getting in on the project. And it wasn't until recently that Nintendo said, okay. So I'm really curious how fucked the production of Metroid Prime 4 was. On a scale of one to Final Fantasy fifteen, <laughs> damn. <laughs> well, all right. Let's close it out with a nod. Fucking game that's going to be coming out. Who knows when? Marty, did you find out anything more about this, or do we just have this little trailer to go by? So, uh, originally promised in twenty eighteen, uh, Atomic Heart is a game by Munfish. It's a Russian game studio. Uh, it. There isn't much more out there other than they put out a VR game that is Vive and um, Oc I want to say Oculus compatible, uh, but it's rather buggy and it was their really their first product. Uh, it's set in the same world as Atomic Heart, which is this Soviet sci-fi um, divergent future or divergent past, really where the Soviets didn't lose the Cold War, but there's a, you've got your FSB agent that's going to examine this part of the motherland that has gone dark and there's some sort of weird weapons lab testing. Um, there is a lot of hype for the game, but there isn't a lot on there other than there was a, uh, a 10 minute tour of it through a trailer. Um, and that's it. Like, this is like this company's first game. Uh, 
Uh, it looks neat. It's got a, a Bioshock vibe. People are saying it's like Bioshock on acid, which is my new least favorite thing to say. Um, it's like X on acid. That's kind of ridiculous to me at this point. Um, but it's an adventure FPS uh, from this Russian game studio. And they've got some stuff, but I think this is like their first serious game. It looked to me like a blend of uh, uh, Wolfenstein and Fallout kind of thing, using the aesthetic of a, an old world and then with this, the wrong people won, essentially, yeah. kind of thing. That's kind of the feel that I got for it. If done well, great. This will be a new... They'll, they might give us a different perspective on it. The reason I kind of was interested as well was... Uh, same as when we were talking a while back and I was I was talking about the that was during the game the 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 year awards about the different studios in different parts of the world where we haven't seen a ton of games here in North America so you kind of you get a different perspective not just in terms of gameplay but especially in terms of story so it'd be nice to see the creative side of Russia and not just the the bad shit that we see in the news all the time. See, no, the people that are creating stories and that want to have fun kind of thing. So so I am curious about it. Yeah, the, the monsters and the bad guys in this game are creepy. Like, there's this weird-looking tentacle vinyl-looking monster from Atomic Heart, and then there's these weird robots that, you know... Like I'm looking at one right now, the Atomic Heart Clown Trap, which is this, I guess if you like clowns, vaguely adorable thing. And then the the face turns around and it's this skull and it's bloody and it's gross. Um, it's it looks like it could be a lot of fun. I, I just there isn't much. Yeah, not yet. Um, but I would if you you know what, like if you have the chance, I would totally check out that VR game that they put out that's in the same world um, that they've reused some of the assets for. Uh, Lunar Park is the name of the VR game. Not if that clown's going to be in my face. <laughs> Fuck all of that. And with that, we are going to call it a wrap for tonight. Thank you very much for joining us. Amir, thank you for popping on to shoot the shit about An Anthem. It was great to have you on. Glad to be here. All right. That. So you can find the show notes at ForTheLore.com. You can find us on Twitter and on at ForTheLore. Joe is Loaders at J. Vince is Simodian. Marty's Officer Gleason. And Amir is? As the Prince TNO. There you go. And with that, we will talk to you guys next week. You fool me with your kisses. You cheated and you schemed. Heaven knows how you lied to me. Thank you for listening to For The Lore. If you'd like to hear more from the guys, check out Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince, a movie, TV, and anime podcast, as well as Lore Watch, a Blizzard lore podcast co-starring Joe. And if you're into comic books, check out All Comics Considered with Marty and his crew. Lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. You can find him at ManelliJamal.com as well as on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs.